Welcome to Think Queerly. I'm your host, Darren Steele, helping people lead from their difference to make a difference. Think Queerly is a queer thought leadership podcast and a publication on Medium at thinkqueerly.com that dissects the status quo through critical analysis and thoughtful dialogue. On the show, I talk about the unique and necessary social and cultural contributions that LGBTQ people offer humanity, and I share my evolving ideas about how we can create a more loving and accepting society for all people. So if you haven't already done so, please head on over to my website at darrensteel.com, and the links will be in the show notes, and download my free book, Think Queerly, Meditations and Critical Reflections on Liberating Humanity. Now, in today's episode, I want to talk about why self-work is the requisite nature of personal responsibility. This is kind of like a rhetorical statement that's could be a question, but if we don't work on ourselves to understand our true nature and who we are as human beings, all of our foibles, what makes us do what we do without thinking, for example, we're never going to be able to understand the human nature in others. We're never going to be able to, as the expression goes, love our neighbor. So let me give kind of a definition of how I frame personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is the practice of managing our ego and recognizing that not doing so is a lack of self-awareness. And thus, it's limiting to one's personal growth, one's personal evolution, as well as the well-being and thriving of society. When we realize that the ego prefers excuses as a way to shift responsibility off of ourselves and onto other people or other events or circumstances, then we will understand why the ego, when left unchecked and let, left to go wild, creates this me versus you and us versus them social or binary construct that is really one of the greatest problems we're facing today. When we over-identify with something, we abdicate personal responsibility in the form of a, a blindness or, or choosing to be ignorant of the infinite variety of all things. So to make that clearer, the more we defend who we are, the more we create a tension of binary opposition and, and opposites. And the more you tell a story or a narrative of your own life that takes place outside of yourself, the more you create a story that details the who and the what and the how that made all of this happen to you. Almost as if it had nothing to do with you and you had no consent in the situation whatsoever. And the more you continue to believe and tell this story, the more it will spiral out, out and away from the center, picking up momentum and maybe not even being factual anymore because it's just your own perceptions of the past. So the greater potentially this web of excuses becomes for our past actions and behaviors and why my life is the way it is today and why I can't get at what I want and why I simply cannot change. Do you feel in this moment uncomfortable? Does it feel like 
as I'm saying this, that I'm blaming you? Do you feel like you're maybe going on the defensive? Do you think that I'm saying, oh, well, you're responsible for all the circumstances of your life and it's your problem? If you feel any kind of tension or reaction to what I was just saying, please understand that I am not blaming you, nor am I trying to make you feel like you should feel bad. But if you feel any kind of tension or reaction to what I was saying, this is a moment of awakening. And what I mean by that is, if you feel tension, you haven't taken personal responsibility, but you have the opportunity to look into the truth that is inside of you, maybe something you haven't owned up to. And when I say owned up to, I simply mean that when you take ownership of your truth, you are taking personal responsibility for every part of your life. This is going to become more clear as I continue to to move through this podcast, what I'm saying here. And this can sound complicated or challenging, And please know that at this juncture, I'm not saying that you, by taking personal responsibility, or anyone, myself included, for taking personal responsibility for everything that happens to them in their life, that does not mean you're responsible for something horrible that happened to you. An accident, a personal attack, someone abusing you. No, that's not what I mean here. We can't control the actions of others, but the personal responsibility that I'm speaking about here is the awareness, the recognition, and the acceptance of owning the problem. Meaning, when you take ownership and responsibility for the problem, you can seek resolution, first for yourself and perhaps for the situation and the people in the sphere that were part of this problem. Okay, so another way of saying it is is this, that only you can make your own life-defining choices to live authentically, to live truthfully, and to make a difference in the world. And that can only happen when you accept everything that has ever happened to you as what is or what was, and nothing more than that. And this might feel like a difficult pill to swallow because I I know from my own personal growth, hearing something like that, if I think about certain things that happened in my own life, I could be like, what do you mean I have to just look at this horrible situation that happened to me and say, that that simply is, that was. Well, first of all, it happened in the past. So it's a past action. I can't change what happened in the past. Going back to what I said earlier about taking ownership of the problem. The problem is how I perceive what happened in the past. The problem is perhaps my emotions or behaviors that may be triggered as a result of that situation in the past. And if those um, behaviors or actions that I do as a result of perhaps that memory and that situation in the past are negatively affecting my life now, who's going to change that? Me. That's the personal responsibility part. If I want to get over that shit, (laughs) owning it, just 
says, okay, this is what happened. If I'm always going to be on the defensive and angry about it, if I'm never going to forgive that person, I'm holding on to the past. And, I, and in, again, at this point, it's not about forgetting the past. It's not about ignoring the past. That's something we must not do right now in this day and age. It's about owning the problem now. So I think this is a really important way of thinking and looking at the world for queer people. It's the only way we're going to improve our place in the world, by being agents of change. But that starts with personal responsibility. That starts with us taking ownership of the problem of our own individual, unique, personal problems, and then expanding outwards into our social circle of our queer network and saying, this is an issue that I want to take ownership of, that I want to work with other people to take ownership of, to try and find a resolution, to try and find a solution. This is what can make us as perceived as the other or queer or on the margins leaders of evolutionary change. Because we're looking at what we might not agree with and what really, from a moral and philosophical standpoint, is unjust and say, we're the people who can take ownership of this situation, personal responsibility for this situation, and lead in such a way that people will see what we're doing and recognize the failure of their own beliefs and choices. I'm going to preface this next thing I'm going to say with, this is important. Personal responsibility is the ultimate self-love. And I'll say it again. Personal responsibility is the ultimate self-love. Because love of the self, loving yourself wholly and unconditionally, is not about blame. It is certainly not about self-blame or blaming others. Self-love is without ego. It's ego-less. And self-love allows other people in. It allows you to form emotional attachments and connections with others. It allows us to accept and love others for who they are and not for what they did or what they might do. So think about that one for a moment. Often, sometimes we have challenges trusting people because we've been really hurt in the past. There's an issue of personal responsibility of owning the problem. When you recognize you've been hurt in the past and you have issues with trusting people, that's, that's a challenge that you need to work on and maybe work with other people on to get to that place where you're no longer feeling unsafe or insecure. And when you get to that place of neutrality of emotion, in the sense of feeling comfortable, it gives you a greater sense of well-being. And that's what can translate into having power in a sense, or in the sense of other people giving you the, the recognition that what you are doing is inspiring to others, and then they want to follow your lead. Love of the self leads to greater connection, to the possibility of more connection with other people instead of opposition and defensiveness and keeping people at arm's length or even further away. 
you know, think about it. I've said this already. What has happened cannot be changed. But what can change is what you do in this moment now to free yourself of the constraints, of the chains, of the bonds of the ego that are keeping you attached to events in the past, whether it's something you did or something did to you. This has been a personal philosophy of mine that I've held on to for at least 25 years, that I am fully and completely responsible for every one of my actions and choices, even those ones that are unconscious. Like Where and who I am in my life right now is a product of every decision, every behavior, every action I've ever made. I can't blame anyone or anything for my circumstances. I can't blame myself. I can't blame myself is something of a mind fuck, isn't it? If I blame myself, then I'm a victim. And therefore, I wouldn't believe a, a shred an iota in personal responsibility. And I believe that this is a philosophy the world needs now more than ever to adopt at an individual level, first off, in order to affect greater social change in the area of more loving kindness, as I said at the beginning, more ability to love thy neighbor and to lead without defense, which would have a huge, massive emotional impact on how we relate to other people in the world. Start small and expand outwards. Another thing about self-love is that self-love offers certainty without needing a defensive posture. Self-love is a form of acceptance, connection, and care with the emotional neutrality of being that others see and feel and sense. They, somebody looks at somebody who seems so self-assured, so content, which is the form of self-love and personal responsibility. They're like, what's up with that person? They seem that like they've so got it together. They're so comfortable. There's somebody I want to be friends with. There's someone I want to follow. There's someone I want to work with. It's like an energy that takes other people off their guard, so to speak, because most of us are like, is, is this safe? Is this person going to be nice to me? Is this person going to say something bad to me? And then suddenly it's like, the jacket falls off. The egotistical defense shield just drops down to the ground when you're in the presence of somebody that has that sense of self-love and certainty. I want to read a quote from Ram Dass, who I've been reading a lot of lately. Ram Dass says, So, somebody comes along and gets to me. They get me angry or uptight, or they awaken some desire in me. Wow, am I delighted. They got me. And that's my work on myself. If I am angry with you because your behavior doesn't fill my model of how you should be, that's my problem for having models. No expectations, no upset. If you are a liar and a cheat, that's your karma. If I'm cheated, that's my work on myself. That's a brilliant little summation of absolute personal responsibility, isn't it? And this work is arduous. It takes <laughs> time and effort and concentration and practice and repetition because other people exist in the world who don't understand the value and importance of personal responsibility. And 
they may never have felt the liberating freedom of personal responsibility. What? What? The liberating freedom of personal responsibility? How can owning my problems be liberating? You might be asking yourself. Well, the answer is simple. See, the ego is a container. It's a form of constraint. And at worst, it's a prison. And the people with the most problematic egos are the ones we see ruining society. Donald Trump. Perfect example. All kinds of other issues going on there, but yeah, I hate having to mention his name. But what does he do? He goes into the public sphere and he demands that people praise him before he even speaks to what he's at an event for. So the more you feed your ego, the more other people feed your ego, the bigger and stronger it becomes, the taller and the thicker its walls. And the more that ego creates an us versus them or a left versus right, or a normal or straight versus degenerate and queer. That worldview becomes a society, a a, a monster collective of defensive tribal egos. Because this is how we function as a society. Small little groupings that we could call tribe. The, The smallest tribe unit would be the family. The next tribal unit might be your friends in the neighborhood. And the next unit would be your sphere at school, and then your region in the city in which you live, and then the city in which you live. If we're defensive at home and egotistical at home, then we go out into the next grouping, the next larger social sphere, and we take that energy with us. So personal responsibility is freedom from the status quo. Because the way I look at the status quo, that is managed by hungry, desperate egos. And thus, it's an egotistical container that's created by a social group and usually managed by a very small number of people. And here's the thing. As human beings, we care about what other people think of us. But we care most about the opinions of the people we care most about. We care most about the opinions of the people we care most about. We can't detach ourselves from that fact of humanity as, as a species. And we experience more personal responsibility when we focus our energy on caring first for ourselves, for our well-being, which then allows others to more easily care for us because they get a sense of our energy being opening and welcoming. This starts to make a lot of sense when you understand some of the neuroscience behind brain development. And our brains have developed so that we care about what other people think. And anyone who says to you, oh, I don't care what other people think of me, is lying. And they don't even know they're lying because they're simply ignorant of human behavior and how the brain works. Now, what is called the anterior cingulate cortex, which is also referred to as our mammalian brain, sort of more the animal brain, is the place that helps us create feelings for what matters most to us, to feel a connection to others and to feel accepted and cared for by those we care about and love. And this process is started at birth through inherent behavioral patterns that are developed between mother and child during child rearing. 
So to make this clear, let's just imagine two scenarios without going into this very specific science, but more the outcome. In one scenario, the mother or the parental unit attending to the needs of the newborn are done in the most loving way possible. And the infant learns to trust the parents and the infant feels safe and cared for. If it cries, it gets picked up immediately and soothed and eye connection is made between mother and child or father and child. And it bonds and connects with its caregivers. And over the longer term, as that baby grows into a child and turns into an adolescent, if that loving, caring, and social bonding and connection happens within that immediate family unit, that child grows up to be incredibly emotionally secure and comfortable and doesn't feel like there are a lot of threats to have to take care of in its life. Now, in the opposite scenario... Imagine a child that is neglected. It's unloved. It never gets attention, no physical or emotional attention. It never gets really spoken to. Maybe it suffers from a lack of language development as, that, as a result. And it doesn't get caring, loving touch or emotional support. And if this continues over the life of the child into adolescence, that child grows up to be possibly fearful, defensive, angry, constantly seeking acceptance and connections with others to fill a void. Or, you know, the opposite, it, the child is very aggressive and very angry, not wanting to let people in because it wasn't giving, given um, that kind of love and caring and attention to feel a connection to other people. So it shuts down in full uh, mammalian brain or even reptilian brain uh, protection to keep it safe. So what does personal responsibility have to do with all of this? Well, personal responsibility is the product of our thinking that happens in our human brain, the youngest part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex right in the front of the head. And this is where we can reason. This is where I'm able to sit down and think about this conversation on personal responsibility, right? This is where we can think about our future, how we want to improve our lives and and then how we can then come up with the creative solutions to make that future life and those plans a reality. Now, at the same time, the more we are loved and supported and we develop emotional connections with our caregivers and those in our immediate family unit, the easier it is to respond to the world around us with our prefrontal cortex, which is the seat of logic, instead of just responding, uh, sorry, instead of just reacting at the level of our animal brains. So personal responsibility within this framework is a product of our human thinking brain, our prefrontal cortex, that helps us to accept and understand our upbringing, how that has played out over our lives, and what that means when we see ourselves, when we observe ourselves, the prefrontal cortex, if we observe ourselves going into reaction, we might be able to manage these unconscious behaviors and patterns and needs that are just a program that switches on immediately. Simple example, you're about to cross the street, but suddenly one of your senses, maybe your ear picks up a car coming and you, for some reason you weren't paying attention. Maybe you were looking down at your cell phone. You were about to cross the street. Maybe you're crossing on a green light on the crosswalk, but the driver wasn't paying attention. They're about to blast through and hit you and you just jump back. That's the reptilian brain immediately reacting it reacts so quickly that it overtakes the prefrontal cortex. It overtakes the 
human mind. And thank goodness, because if it didn't react immediately without you being able to stop it, you'd be dead. <laughs> so as human beings, we, we, we need to understand how the reactive parts of our brain, the ancient parts of our, our brain, protect us from physical or social psychological harm to keep us feeling safe and secure and comfortable. And when we feel safe and secure and comfortable in our physical environment and in our emotional social spaces, that's when we can elevate our consciousness, meaning that's when we can think about how we want to be the change in the world, how we want to make things better, how we want to break down um, and, and dissolve overly defensive egos and make more connection instead of defense. So if you were someone who, thinking back on your own childhood and adolescence, if you grew up with very little love or emotional connection or felt completely disconnected and unaccepted by others, think even if you were brought up um, in a loving family, but you had to deal with living in the closet and all of those ramifications, for example, your, your default brain state will probably be more reactive. You might think that people are always out to criticize or judge you and you'll spend more time out of your mind, out of your human mind, so to speak, possibly stuck in more behavioral patterns. Your unconscious programming at the level of the mammalian brain or the reptilian brain, which is simply seeking to satisfy its need for security, physical safety, comfort, and, and social connection. And the way our brains are set up and how they've evolved over time is that if we don't feel safe, if we don't feel secure, we will not be able to use our rational brain, our prefrontal cortex, until the needs of the ancient parts of our brain are met. For myself, what I've come to understand and, and what I've witnessed in just one example of uh, online, when people viciously attack each other on social media, and goodness knows I've done this, or comments on an article, is that they're coming from a place of very little or no personal responsibility. Now, personal attacks based on this idea of I'm right and you're wrong are simply manifestations of a completely unchecked ego. And without a strongly developed sense of personal responsibility, you're going to always struggle with your unconscious programming to defend your need to be right, which is a kind of acceptance, connection, personal safety. And when someone says or writes something that you disagree with, you simply fly off the handle and attack. Learning to become aware of your true nature as a human being. And, and what does that mean on a biological level, on a social level, on a physiological level, is, is part of a liberating process of personal responsibility. Because we can rewrite past programming when we have the awareness of how we work as, as human beings, as human machines, and what you want to change. You also need to have a very strong intention and importance to why you want to change this thing. And the more that's lifted up and empowered by emotions, you really want to stop being so defensive all the time. And you start thinking about how 
good it feels when you're calm and cool and collected and and how much more people enjoy your company when you're not on the defensive and how many positive things people say about you when you are happy. You hold on to those emotional sensations of how good that feels and add that to your intention. And then you repeat and you repeat and you repeat over a long enough period and repetition in this case is the practice. The practice of whatever it is you want to change with that strong enough emotional intention. And there's no time frame. There's no 21 days so that you can create these new patterns and behaviors that are going to improve your life, your connection with others, and ultimately your own happiness, joy, and contentment that will spread outwards from you and influence others in your social sphere. So imagine then leading from your difference, from your queerness, from a place of complete personal responsibility, personal liberation, self-love, and self-acceptance. And from that sense of inner well-being, you work to create a more loving and accepting world. You have within you the knowledge and the wisdom to overcome personal struggles and inequality. Sometimes it's just a little bit more information that can help you get to where you want to go. You can learn how to love and accept yourself without conditions, and you will be loved and appreciated and respected by others. This, I think, is the work of queer people. We have challenges of having been unloved in various ways for being who we are and in supporting each other and in helping each other to evolve and take personal responsibility for how we feel will make a massive difference within our own experience of each other as queer people and as a model for humanity. Because instead of the rest of the world, perhaps, and I'm generalizing, but imagine if those who are so against LGBTQ people saw more queer people happy and thriving and powerful in their own right. And I mean powerful in the sense of so much self-esteem and self-love and personal responsibility and making a profound difference in the world. Those observable actions could potentially create more evolutionary change at the societal level for acceptance for who we are as simply different until at some point maybe there's no more discernible difference or rather difference is acknowledged but not seen as a detriment or as something outside of the status quo or something that needs to be oppressed a lot of food for thought in this one today i hope you found this useful. It's honestly been a very useful exercise for me, figuring out how to say what I've wanted to say here about personal responsibility and why this is so important, because this is another key tenet of leadership. Not to be the leader on the stage, on the pulpit, but to be the leader in the sense of somebody who is endeavoring to make their life better so that they can help other people make their lives better as well. Thanks for listening. And as always, think queerly.